episode 35 of the wrist cheese radio podcast i'm your host bro dinky and i'm your only host tonight schmidt is on business so i will be the only one taking you through the horological hot takes taboo topics and often unpopular watch opinions on our wonderful little show here i do have a guest with me tonight before i hop into it too much a little housekeeping for those who didn't see uh, a friend of ours, Strap Habit, and I got together and designed some straps for my little charity effort that I've been putting forth, Real Men Wear Pink. It is in support of all things combating breast cancer. They are sailcloth straps. They're 25 bucks, and they're, uh, they're really nice, and they come in a variety of finishes, sizes, and you actually get uh, two lengths, which is really cool. So far, we have sold... A good amount of them. I know over thirty, maybe even probably closer to fifty right now. And I know I know he said he's running out of the twenty mil with a silver buckle. So those are doing pretty well. If you want one, get one now. He is going to restock them. Uh, they do come in eighteen, twenty, and twenty-two. They offer uh, silver and PVD buckles, so that's cool. I know right now, I think I'm at somewhere around thirty-two hundred bucks, and that's before. He has kicked in the full donation, so we're well above that. But I, I want to reach sixty-two hundred because I, I I know I did sixty-one hundred last year. I would like to ideally get to somewhere around ten thousand, but I have to see what I can do on the uh, watch donation front. Still hunting out my uh, my perfect target there. Um, so big shouts to the homie Strap Habit. He's a big listener. He likes when I uh, rip on his Tudor North flag. No, he doesn't at all. But we have a good a good laugh about it. We're uh, We've known each other a minute. So shout out to him. And uh, he's actually going through it a little bit. His, his mom is actually battling it right now. So then that was that was completely coincidental. Um, we were kind of kicking this around before that. So kind of wild times, uh, thoughts and prayers for the whole family there. I will uh, transition to a lighter note here. Um, I do have a guest, as I said tonight. He is actually my first guest which strangely enough was not on my own podcast. And for those who are familiar with Whiskey and Watches, I hosted him on there. It is my friend Nick from DC Vintage Watches. Nick, say hello to everybody out there. How's it going? Thanks for having me on again. Of course, of course. I know um, we do have a fair amount of crossover listeners, but uh, I don't think this is going to be a, a straight repeat episode. So um, I don't think anybody, anybody will be too offended there. Um, for those who don't know, uh, DC Vintage Watches is basically the go-to for all things vintage, especially Seiko, right? At this point, I think you guys are like number one. I, I've seen you mentioned in GQ, Hodinky, you, you're servicing the stars. I know you, you've done Ronnie Chang, Daniel Day Kim, Randall Park. Uh, the list goes on there. Um, and yeah, you, you offer a variety of services, sourcing, and just helping people get these timepieces that are hard to come by, hard to source, I don't want to say ethically, source uh, reliably, let's say, because, yeah, you know, yeah. parts and Frankensteins <laughs> are out there and it's, it's just hard to, to come up with a really good package these days. But uh, so why don't you give us a quick rundown of sort of what you do and we'll uh, we'll take it from there, my friend. Sure, sure. Yeah, we, we actually... Uh... I think the last couple of months, it's been about two months now, we started supplying season two of uh, the TV show La Brea. Oh, very uh, cool. 
Yeah, the uh, one of the the main one of the main characters, Nicholas Gonzalez, will be sporting uh, 1970s uh, Captain Willard. Oh, uh, very nice, very. Nice. Yeah, so that that's and he he's actually a bit of a crossover because he was on um I believe it's so that's NBC I believe he was on ABC's The Good Doctor uh, and then they they unfortunately killed him off on the show and uh, <laughs> I mean it is what it is I don't think he fell on an elevator shaft though <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't I think it was during a there was an episode during an earthquake sorry I mean there's like. It, it's, there's no plot spoilers here. That was like a whole season or two ago. But uh, no, we we've supplied watches to the last two seasons of The Good Doctor, um, and so there's like three or four members of the cast that have that have uh, vintage Seiko these days, which is which is pretty cool. Um, Very. Uh, but yeah, no. So sorry for that tangent. Uh, yeah. So you know, uh, I founded DCVW or DC Vintage Watches back in 2012. And uh, it, it started really just with like 10 watches. It was really small. It was mostly vintage Seiko then. And since then, we've grown to where we are now. Uh, any given time on the website, we got a couple hundreds. Uh, it's a mix usually of, uh, it's all vintage, uh, but it, it'll be a mix of Seiko, Hoyer, and uh, Omega. And then there'll be a bunch of just like random awesomeness in there, like vintage pieces uh, that don't fit neatly into those three buckets. Uh, so that's that's the main thing, and then we also provide uh, like a sourcing service, like you uh, like you alluded to, and that is really like people will reach out usually via email, and they'll be like, hey, here's this picture of my dad back in the day. This is the watch he was wearing. Can you help me identify it? Um, and we'll go from there, or they'll or they know exactly what they want. They'll be like, you know, I want a birth month and year Seiko in this condition with the strap, with like you know, and it's, it's so. It's the whole spectrum there. Yeah, gets complex. Oh, it, it, oh, it gets those those birth month and year. Like, I love the challenge, but man, those things are pain sometimes. That birth month, especially, it's damn you and your amazingly accurate serial numbers. Say, so, <laughs> I mean, that's how you do it. Um, yeah, so you know, we'll give them a price range and a, usually a time estimate, and and then we'll go. You know, the hunt commences. You know, we'll go out and find it. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's us in a nutshell um yeah yeah it's i love i love the fact that uh you know i wake up every day and i can do it doesn't i feel lazy sometimes because i feel like uh, you know i'm it's it's a passion clearly of mine i've been into watches for uh, over two decades now and the fact that that i can make a living off this i feel very blessed and and being able to do that it doesn't feel like work you know so enough yeah that no that's that's truly amazing i mean especially uh with the i don't know the the morale of the the workplace these days is uh not great so i guess being able to be not only your own yeah. man but to be able to do something you love i mean that's tremendous yeah i mean i i was a formerly i was an employee with the federal government and i have a lot of friends still in and man oof, i think i made a good choice when i did to get out because uh, it's it's not it's not fun you know, it's strange. Uh, you are not the only Risk Cheese Radio guest who has worked for the DOD. Okay. <laughs> Which is weird, but uh, <laughs> definitely I think, interesting. I think, I think Matt with uh, Whiskey and Watches was hinting at some background with DOD when I talked to him on the show. So if that makes sense. Could have been. I know who I'm thinking of, but uh, entirely. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I worked with DOD for a while. I was I was a... I was an imagery analyst. So it's like, you know, the satellites taking pictures 
you know, back in the day when you, I mean, these days you just go on Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, I mean, the imagery that you can get free online now from satellites is just not to go off on too much tangent, spectacular. But the skill sets that I used there, you know, it was like, hey, is this, here's this image, is this 14 meter mound, is it a, a Scud missile launcher or is it a mound of dirt or is it a decoy? You know, and so you had to work that out. And that skill set actually comes in really handy particularly, like I said before, when someone's like, here's this blurry photo. Yeah. What is it? So you're looking for reference points, which has multiple meanings in this line of work, clearly. Sure does. You're looking at these reference points and you're, you're, well, this is what it could be. This is what it's not. And it's the process of elimination. And there are a lot more watches out there than there are military systems. So it's, it's more of a challenge, I think, uh, to do watches, but I love a challenge. So. So what exactly made you sort of venture into this in the first place? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Yeah, so it really was my dad in high school. Um, so he was into watches. Actually, my his dad was um, in the Navy in World War II, and then he was a master carpenter. So it was a lot of working with your hands and things like that. Like I, I, I'm literally sitting at, you know, if you saw the office, Dwight's mega desk. I'm sitting at a mega desk <laughs> during the pandemic. It's like four feet tall, eight feet long, four feet deep, like, but it's high up so I can use it like a watchmaker bench. Um, but yeah, no, so he was into watches, my grandfather, like that you can't, I mean, it's right here, you, your listeners won't be able to see it, but I posted on it recently and it's this stopwatch that belonged to my grandfather and it's an Elgin and I looked up the serial and it dates to like 1899 wow. or something crazy like that. So I don't know if it was my great grandfather's uh, or what the deal was, but so he was into watches, and then my grandfather on my mom's side was a colonel in the Air Force from World War II on, so he's a lifer. He was into watches. So I'm writing an article right now, I believe it was an A-11 that he wore. He was a fighter jet pilot. Okay. Uh, so I have pictures of him, great pictures, actually, uh, surprisingly, from because they're from the 50s, of him in Korea um, flying bomber escorts uh, in the watch. You know, he's all geared up as a pilot. So there was a lot of that just funneled down towards me, I guess. Uh, and my dad bought me some watches in high school and I bought a Seiko 6139 and the rest is history, quite frankly. Uh, I believe it was a Seaver was the first 6139 I had. Um, so yeah, it just went from there. You know, you, you, Seiko is that that gateway drug as it's called for, for vintage watches. And I never really lost that fascination with Seiko. It was just so much, it's so diverse just in the 60s, 70s and a little bit of the 80s alone let alone today and before then. So yeah, it just went from there. And, you know, I got into, you know, one day my, my, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, just is back in early 2012. She's like, you were really into this a lot. And like most of our suffering significant others. And she was like, I don't think she knew what she was getting herself into when <laughs> she was like, do you ever think about doing a business with this? And I'm like, huh, that's not a bad idea. Well, and, if you're yeah. going to twist my arm. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it just spun out of control, if you will, from there. And yeah, yeah, and that's, that's where I find myself today. And we, we moved from D.C., from the namesake D.C., out to L.A. in 2018. Uh, my wife is, is actually a television producer. with uh, She's with Paramount right now. And uh, so it made sense. And I can do this job pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Or online. Uh, there's no brick-and-mortar store here. Because uh, financially, it just doesn't make sense, especially in LA. But yeah, and and weather is amazing. I love it out here. And we've been here since 2018. And once we hit the ground, once I came out here, I hit the ground running. And and I started with uh, 
uh, Matt Farah on uh, on um, uh, Smoking Tire podcast, yep. our automotive friends out there. But he did a Watch and Listen podcast. You can find it on YouTube. Like this is like 40, 50 episodes for the first couple seasons with um, Cameron Weiss of Weiss Watches. And uh, they had me on as a guest a couple of times for Hoyer and Seiko. And that's it just started, it just, you know, steamrolled from there um, after that, as far as, you know, L.A. But yeah, yeah, that's that's the story. Yeah. And I mean, a lot's changed since then. I mean, can you explain? I know from talking to you, can you explain how much the landscape has changed? I mean, I remember you telling me you used to buy vintage turtles, 6309s and such for a few hundred bucks. I mean, now I'm seeing them go. They're they're over a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. How, no, how is the that entire vintage what used to be affordable vintage yeah. watch landscape sort of changed in that regard? I, I think a lot of it is the internet and, and not not eBay or anything like that, but it's you as the and this is this is pre-pandemic, as people started getting more interested and people started doing more research on the internet, it was a powerful tool to do that research. And it really, I think personally, started with the Pogue. And because the Pogue just like, cause it's so, I originally thought it was garish and I was like, I don't like this. And then we started sourcing so many of them. I was like, oh, actually, I really like this watch a lot. <laughs> it, it sticks in your memory because it's that gold dial. Yeah, it does. And, it, and that Pepsi, you know, bezel uh, insert, like it really lodges in your mind. And, you know, 2013, 2014, a near new old stock example, you're 400 bucks. You sell them for 400 bucks. And these days, near new old stock, and this is not a true Pogue. This is not, you know, that's a whole different story. It's just a, your regular, you know, Pogue in good condition. Like if it was near new old stock, which I don't really think you can find those that much any day. They're very hard. They've all been snapped up. Just a, you know, a really excellent example is 13 to 1500. Yep. You know, and that that's that's not near new old stock. That's not a true Pogue or anything like that. That's, you know, a nice looking example, clean loom. You know, it hasn't been polished and it comes with a bracelet. It's going to cost you about that. So that was, I think, a big part of it. And then pandemic, because, you know, I, like a lot of people, I, when the pandemic started, I was nervous as hell. I was stockpiling cash. I was like, I don't know where sure. this is going to go. Like everyone else, you know. And what happened, I think, where a lot of, of us that were lucky enough to work from home did so. And they were still getting the same the same pay, but they weren't spending money on going out to eat there's no vacations you yes. driving anywhere so yeah. no yeah there's no gas god don't get me started on gas prices in california <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I didn't want to drop that in there i know i know where you're at and I, i've I seen mean, the like, pictures like people are like complaining i mean no offense or anything but people are like oh my god it's over five dollars yep i spent a hundred bucks yesterday to fill up that isuzu trooper i have and it was for 87 octane it was like 640 for a gallon and i'm just like i ride that motorcycle the the motorcycle i have everywhere now just for that reason because it's it's 60 miles of the gallon you know but anyway no i but so during the pandemic so you had people with a lot more disposable income and time so people weren't spending two i mean if you're dc or la you're spending two three hours a day in traffic you know in the in the before times so people were online they were bored they were they were they had more disposable income. They were buying watches. They were doing the research into them. Just, yeah. And that really, I mean, the New York Times wrote about it and the Washington Post, Financial Times, all the papers wrote about this big surge um, in watch interest. And with that interest comes scarcity as people start snapping them up and then price increases. I mean, it's just, 
you know, it's capitalism. I mean, that's that's how the economy has been running with these things. So, so last time, just because you were talking about it just now, last time we talked about the true Bruce Lee with mm. the proof dial and all that. Tell everybody out there with the true Pogue what the difference yeah. is between what you might be seeing out there nowadays. Because I think a lot of people, I think that's a watch that crept up on a lot of people, many of my friends included, because a lot of my group chats are constantly talking about trying to maybe get a Pogue or thinking about it. And I think it's a watch that, like you said, sits in a lot of people's minds. But I know when I, I, I hunt down a watch, I always want to get like sort of that, that prime example because that's yeah. that's what's cool, right? You want to say you've got the hotness. So can you uh, fill us in what a, a true yeah. Pogue versus a sort of a run-of-the-mill Pogue you might see out there? Yeah, and, and actually just a, what you're saying right there, like when you're looking for vintage, it doesn't, like you can get a service, as long as you have a reliable watchmaker, you can always get a service. You should always buy the best physical example you yeah. can find, even if it's not serviced, even if it's a non-runner, and then get it fixed. Because once that once that... The, the aesthetic, once the physical aspects, like if the loom looks like crap, you can't fix that yep. without destroying some of the value. And it look and it may look good, but it's still going to destroy the value or it, it comes out poorly. So uh, anyway, so the true Pogue is the exact variant that um, Colonel, the, the NASA astronaut Colonel Pogue wore at the, spy, the, the uh, Skylab 4 mission. And this is, you know, this, you get into the very, you know, uh, eccentric, even esoteric, type things that all you know people that are very passionate about their hobbies do and that this is a prime example so on the dial itself it's like underneath i god i wish i had one in front of me right now this is, this is what's gonna drive me crazy but um on the dial itself I'm, I'm actually pulling one up on my uh on the web on our website right now we don't have one for sale but we we had one for sale so underneath the sake of the applied seiko at the at the 12 o'clock on the top of the dial it'll say automatic underneath and then on the left of the dial, uh, near the nine o'clock position, you'll say water 70 resist. Uh, and then it'll have underneath the hands, you'll have your SUA symbol, the SUA, the Seiko SUA factory. Right. You'll have 17J for 17 joules. And it's going to be a 6139-6005. That's very important. Um, that was a matter of contention in the community for quite some time. I think it's been settled that it's a 6005. Some people thought it was 6002. But I think it's been conclusively settled at this point. There's just so much evidence. And it's going to be, a, and again, this is very in the weeds. It'll be a, it'll be a T, what's called a T dial. So it won't be the R dial, it'll be a T dial. And it's like, then you really start getting into like serial numbers on the dial and like things like that. Like it, it gets in the weeds real quick. But if you have those on that, and it's going to be, I would say between the years, I could be off here 1970 like maybe early 72 anything after that you're not gonna you're not gonna see that you're not gonna see a true poke um and the the day on all vintage seiko the day wheel is going to have two languages it'll always have english and in this instance it'll have spanish so this is the variant that colonel pogue took in outer space and like with many other things you know seiko rolex etc the devil's in the details so if it has those it's going to be worth double what a normal pogue will be worth um there's just not many out there anymore they get snapped up so quick and you will get a lot of people you you can get lucky you go to your your your, your popular auction sites and sometimes people will put it up and they, they don't know what they have um you know and they'll put it as a buy it now for like 500 bucks and they're thinking like i'm gonna you know this is good 
Oh, <laughs> it, <laughs> it is good. But yeah, that's that's that. There's more to it, but that's that's the main points that you want to hit to find a true pogue. And or you could like if you go to our website and you look up the last true pogue we sold, um, it is explained in the listing what you're going to be looking for that makes it a true pogue. So we we explain that we leave it up for that reason because people use that as a reference point when they do their own searches. Yeah, I do like that about your website because I've been on it plenty of times. I'm also I'm not just a a member. I'm also the president. No, uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a, a customer as well as a a friend of the uh, account and everything. Um, I do love that you guys put up a little historical significance and then the little details that make each watch sort of special in that regard because and again going back to the the bruce um you know last time we talked about how they sort of narrowed it down where you're looking for that hong kong day wheel where before it was uh there was a much broader margin for what was accepted as the true bruce lee yeah and now those are much harder to calling it that they were just like this is what we think no one just said the true bruce lee but like like, you know, I'll be the first to say, like, I didn't do this. I wasn't the one that, like, did all the research and just got, like, I'm not claiming credit for that. I'm basically, it's like, with all things in the world, when people do research, they're really just building, they're, they're climbing on the shoulder, shoulders of the people that came before them, and they're incorporating their research, and they're taking it a step further, and that's that's what happened here. So, you know, before before all this, it was thought commonly that it was the, uh, the speed timer dial, the one right. that... You know, this was your Japanese domestic market. Speed timer, for the most part, was only sold in Japan. You know, the Japanese saved all their best stuff for themselves, which I can't blame them. I would have done the same thing. But uh, yeah, so they that was the common conception that this is what it was. And it's it's kind of interesting because this this is represented in Ronnie Chang's collection because he first reached a we uh, Daniel Day Kim introduced um, him to me. Uh, and uh, he talks about it in his Houdinki's, uh, his Talking Watches episode. And when he first reached out, that was still thought of as the version that Bruce wore was the speed timer dial. And, um, you know, that, and that's what we sourced him. That's what we found him. And then fast forward like four months. And one day I was just bored and I was like, I, cause I love research. Like you talk about the listing, like I'm usually the one that does the research for that. I just love it. Like it's fun to me like i get bookish bookish like that and uh yeah it's, it's kind of funny because one of my good friends uh, you know likened me to a uh, siberian husky and she's like it's bad when you get bored because you get destructive because you just start like you know, <laughs> not in a bad way per se but so you know i did that research and i found what i thought to be uh the true bruce lee which was different and you know i published it on the website and some magazines picked like gq picked up on it and a few other uh, periodicals picked up on it and then Ronnie one day was like he's hit me up with his text and he's like wait I thought I had that and I was like actually it's changed and like I explained to me this like long conversation the science has changed and he was like <laughs> yeah he was like okay you've convinced me can you get me one and I was like yes I can get you one so <laughs> you know you know he pulled out all the stops and, and we got him a nice one and and it, it, it's really weird because the Bruce Lee that I had coincidentally in my own collection i did not even realize this actually is that wow the total i did not seek that out i've had it for like five years and i was just one day i was just going through i definitely have too many watches but i was going through them and i was like wait a minute holy shit like this is actually i couldn't believe it and i was like that's really lucky um so yeah i mean that's 
I hope that answers your question. But yeah, that's the that's the difference between those two. And and this is again one of those things where like if you go on the website, I mean it's rare that we have Bruce Lee's for sale, any variant, because they usually sell within about an hour yep. that we pop. Uh we do that vintage drop every Saturday at 8 a.m. uh Pacific Standard Time, and it sells within an hour. I think the record was it sold within three minutes. So if you're looking uh, for one, hop on that email chain ASAP. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the shout out. Yeah, yeah we have it. We I'm have on a, it. So yeah, yeah. We do, we do the sneak peek on Fridays where we just talk about yeah, you know, these are what's going to hit tomorrow morning. So 8 a.m. Be there, you know. But uh, no, but I, I do spell out what I think are the differences between like your speed time or your your more run, but also your more run the mill Bruce Lee or the true Bruce Lee. And then, you know, as Ronnie, and I love, I love that he mentioned this and I, I was laughing so hard, but uh, when he did his, his uh, Houdinki episode, and I, look, separate from me saying it, he's just a funny guy. Go figure. He's yeah. a comedian. That is a funny episode. If you watch the outtakes at the end, it's hilarious. I mean, even in uh, Shang-Chi, he was hysterical. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, yeah, so he, he talks about, he's like, yeah, Nick, published all his findings in this very long article that he posted on his website and i'm like yeah that's true it was a little too long but you know it recently i've been posting more um articles it's under at the top of the the website under it's i, I have it under a tag called the stories and you know i'm, I'm talking about just watches like i'll randomly pick a watch of my collection and i'll do research on it and tell a story like some of them are, you know, I, I I was lucky enough to pick up a very nice 6105 Willard from a Navy diver. And he wore through a lot of dives in his career. And, man, I, I had a lot of conversations with this guy. He wanted to be identified in the article, but he gave me a whole rundown. He was on a, a landing, a Navy landing craft, an LST. Um, and, I, you know, a document in an article like that. And, like, there was a, just a one of the mill. I actually have it right here because I was wearing it earlier today. But it's uh Yeah, I saw the picture of that. Yeah, it's a 7,005. It's like an emerald dial. Um, 7,005s are a great bang for the buck, by the way. But it's it's a, it's a a commemorative watch that was issued for the Yamuri uh, Shimbun, which is a Japanese newspaper, for their 100th anniversary back in, uh, I think it was 1975. And if you've watched Vice on HBO Max, yep. that is actually the same newspaper, but they changed the name for the show. But that's the newspaper they're talking about. Oh, wow. And, and I didn't realize that until I started doing research. So it's kind of like... This one, like that, the owner of the newspaper had like these these Cold War espionage, like weird things going on. He was accused of being a Class A war criminal because he ran the newspaper during World War II. But that was later found out to be more like politically motivated against his uh, his enemies had it out for him. Okay. Japanese politics, man, they're, they're no joke. <laughs> you know. So yeah. So there's a lot of stories in there. So yeah, check them out if you get a chance. Definitely. And since you mentioned the. Uh sort of a hidden gem you have there where would you say i guess are the hidden gems like what what examples would you say are still in your opinion i guess undervalued because I, i'm not trying to blow them up or anything but yeah. i think everybody has sort of missed the boat on the pogues on the 6309s yeah. on the the a lot of the chronographs you know they're all going for well above what they used to where do you think there's still uh value in that that vintage game in seiko I think some of the less popular 6139s, because it's still the same movement. Yeah. Like literally, I had a conversation with a with a customer yesterday, actually, because uh, we're looking for uh, the 6139-6015, all gold, like the uh -huh. gold bracelet. And the, yep. gold just doesn't historically sell that well. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it just doesn't. So, and he pointed out, and I agree with him completely. He was like, 
you know, I he was like, I missed the boat on the Seabird and the, the Pogue, but like, I really like this one. And, and he's right. I mean, prices are like a third or depending on the condition, half of what they would be for like a Pogue. And it's the same movement. It's the same design. It just happens to be gold. So there's that. But then there's, like I said, the 7,005, which came out in the late 60s and the 70s. There's some notable um, exceptions that are crazy overpriced, in my opinion, like the MACV SOG, which is like, I, I saw a, a, it was a, it came from India. It was a redial. Um, and it, the, the guy, I know the seller, uh, uh, someone was telling me about, I don't know him personally, but uh, someone reached out uh, a customer and they were like, yeah, I asked him if it was a redial because he doesn't list it. He doesn't say anything about it. He says all original and technically it's true. But the guy reached out and he was like, yeah, it's a repaint. But he meant he admitted it in the text or in the from the you know the DM uh from eBay, but he didn't put it in the listing. So someone paid 1300 bucks for a watch worth like 30 bucks, basically. Dial is 80% of the value. So you'll have the 7005 like that. Uh the poor man's 62 miles is a 7005 series. That's missed the boat on that. But and then you have 6106 caliber, 6119, 6619. So it's these these random, like they were really like the entry level back then. For Seiko in the late 60s through the 70s, like the late 70s. And those are great bang for the buck. Um, and they're, they each one of those comes in like dozens of variants. And we have some on the site. Um, but that's the, by no means you don't have to go through us. Like just do an image search on Google, you know, and, and find whatever catches your fancy and, you know, do some research, you know, make sure, you know, buy the seller and all that. But um, yeah, they're still great value. And the thing is, because a lot of those are on your lower price scale, they're not faked as much. There's not a lot of aftermarket parts for them, which is a good thing. So the worst thing you really have to look out for is maybe like a Franken watch with some of those. Uh, and that's that's it. I mean, that's that's pretty good. You know, that's where your Google image search comes in because you just compare and contrast the two pictures. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Lord Maddox that sort of look like the, they they almost look like the exact same case as the older Grand Seiko's. And, and I've got, I've got, yeah, and right, and I've got one upstairs. Um, I didn't wear it tonight, but uh, it's it's got a brush style. It's it's nice. it's really like a a really sweet little package. And like I said, it it looks like a lot of those really higher end watches in that period. And you know, it's just a fun little watch that I'll throw on when when I got a dressy occasion coming up or something. A little interesting piece, but I think you can get them still under three, 400 bucks, which is awesome, you know, and there's a lot of them out there. So you could really have a, a pick. It's not like you have to, oh, I got to settle for this one, you know, which is really cool. I mean, in, in, along those lines, the, the 6218-8971 week daters. Which oh, I love those. In Seiko, and you can find a really stunning one for maybe like 800, 700 bucks, which for what it is, I mean, the nickname for a while was Baby Grand Seiko. Right. For a you know, but the, you know, the, the Lord Matic, you're 100% correct. I mean, that is, that's still great bang for the buck. If you want to get into dress watches, there's a lot of good roots there and a lot of ties to King Seiko and Grand Seiko. Actually, the, um, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Kevin Beige, I believe his name is. With He's like the the EP for all of the Marvel Cinematic movies, all the, all the MCU. He's like an EP credits for all of them. Um, Ronnie bought one of those from us to gift to him. Oh, wow. So he's got one. So that's, that's great, man. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, so there, there's some some Hollywood royalty rocking one of those right now. 
I'll be, I'll be damned. I need to find a picture somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And that's cool. Cause obviously he can rock literally whatever he wants. Oh, it, oh, <laughs> oh, he's, he's like, look, I, I don't know the guy. Um, but I would imagine based on the success of the MCU, he's like God rich. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so like, that's just like an old mind, anything MCU and it has been for a while. So he's been there since day one too, uh, with, with the MCU. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Now you mentioned eBay, and we talked about it a lot on the on the last episode. Um, is that still, in your opinion, sort of the best place to hunt things down? Like the the most, uh, I know it's very untamed, but yeah, because of the the popularity and the diversity of what's on there, where you can still find a lot of hidden gems. So it, it's it's yes and no. So eBay has never really been able to shake their shady image that they had from their early days. God bless, them. they tried. They really have. Um, I say yes and no, because if you know what you're looking for and you know, like common tells between fake and real and that kind of thing. And, and look, you don't, I've always said this. I know I said it when I talked to you last, you don't have to buy from us. Put that research in. There's, there's tons of stuff. There's tons of guides out there on forums and, and sites dedicated to them. Um, it's just not everyone has that time to do that. You know, and I will say this, and this, this leads me to my, so the, along these, the lines of this conversation eBay rolled out that authenticity program, and I can't speak to how good it is for other watches. For vintage Seiko, it's not good. Um, I've, heard, they, I've heard very mixed reviews. They use one company, and look, and this is the thing. Like, you know, I, I actually, um, I actually know Eric Wynn. I bring him up for a reason. Uh, one of our, we have a very good mutual friend in common who was his. She, he was her. RA when they went to college together in Georgetown. So it's like just so random, you know, seven degrees, it's Kevin Bacon type stuff. But anyway, the thing I love about Eric is Eric has never claimed to be an expert in everything. He has his areas like, like us, and he sticks to them for the most part. He, he's always ready to learn more just like us. And I love him for that. And that's when you have one company that says they're experts in everything, or whether it's a company, whether it's a dealer or whatever. Tough sell. Be aware of that because that that's it's not possible. There's just too much. So I had a customer come up to me. He was a good customer, and he was he was he, had, he was very uh you know hat in hand. He was like, yeah, I should have done, I should have gone through you, but I didn't. So he bought what he thought was a true Pogue uh, on eBay. I think he paid maybe fifteen hundred for it or something like that, which is a good deal if it was legit. It was a very good fake dial. And I had never seen True Pogue fake dials before this. And I'm looking at these things all day, every day, in and out. And he got it. And he's like, hey, this is kind of sketchy to me. I'm not sure. Something just seems a little bit off. And I concurred with him. I was like, here's what you do. Because I knew he had a watchmaker. I was like, take it to your watchmaker. Get him to take the dial off. Are the If there's two digits on the back of that dial, you know, and this is the Seiko serial. Again, you know, the first digit is the month, second digit is the year. Then it's legit. If there's no number we have a problem and there was he sent me the picture he's like there's no number here and i was like here's what you do and i walked him through filing the case with ebay to get his money back and he did and he got his money back but i've never seen i was taken aback by that i was like this is a really good fake so even there's fakes out there as the price as the prices go up the people the unscrupulous people will try to come out and and take advantage of that because then it becomes worth their while you know, a lot of people are like, I can't believe Seiko is fake, like whatever, because they're still thinking they don't know Seiko. First of all, they're thinking and this is a problem Seiko's always had. 
they run the gamut from Credor and Grand Seiko and yep. ten thousand dollar watches to cheap quartz watches that cost five bucks to make and they sell for you know thirty or forty or what have you. And because those people see those cheap ones all the time when they're you know on Amazon or they're shopping in Walmart or what have you, and that's what they they're like, why would anyone want to fake that? Well, you know, they, there's more to it than that. So you know, with the the very good fake dials I've seen are with the six one three eight pandas. They, I mean, these are all seventies era watches in the in the Pogue dials, and sometimes you'll find Seaver, the silver Pogue, the silver surfer, as I call it. You'll see those, but they're not as good. But the Panda and the Pogue dials, they're they're starting to get really good. So to the point where we give them extra scrutiny now, um, and make sure you know that they're legit more more so than we do with other watches now just for that reason because sometimes people will take pictures and they'll strategically place the hands to cover things and like uh, sometimes you got to go that extra mile yeah and i think kind of what you were talking about is somebody sees that watch and it's appropriately priced for what it should be yeah it's less of a red flag than when you see it at a bargain and you're like why is this too good to be true when it seems like it's legit and it's priced appropriately appropriately you're you're almost drawing in a little extra because you're like, okay, nothing seems fishy here. I, I think this is okay. And, you know, if, if you're saying it's a really good dial, I mean, it, it yeah. must be, right? So average Joe isn't going to know the difference. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, he showed me the pictures after he bought it and took, and took you know, delivery of the watch. So, but, oh, I, that's the, the punchline here is that it passed the eBay authenticity program. That fake dial, it passed. And I would, he showed me the listing and there is like guaranteed by, you know, whatever, what I was, because the way that they did it, I don't know what it is now. I've lost the, the ball in a little bit, but they were, if the watch sold for over $2,000 or the seller made that an option to, because I think it comes out of seller's fees. I, I don't know. Okay. We don't sell on eBay, but um, I think it came out of the seller's fees and, you know, to provide that the seller had to pay for that to, for the, someone to look at it, to authenticate it if it were, or as it were rather. So it passed out. So that was, but I mean, you, you look at some like, like Bonham's had that, what was it, 2020, they had that disaster of an auction when they brought up, you know, the, I couldn't believe some of the stuff I saw in there. They had like, it's a lot of maybe 20 vintage Seiko, a solid 14 or 15 of them had fake dials, not even good fake dials. And I was just like, oh, this is really bad. And like the whole, you know, us, us dorky Seiko aficionados were up in arms. And like, I saw you guys were all over that. <laughs> yeah, you, you know us. So, <laughs> and they took it down to their credit, and then they they redid it. Maybe three or four months later, they had removed all the fake stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, once that's out there and it passes their authenticity experts or what have you, vintage Seiko. I mean, it could be a minefield if you're not versed in it. And that's true of most, particularly, you know, like vintage say, or vintage Rolex is going to be a minefield of too. Of course. You know, because it is that the devils and the details. I mean, you look at Perez, you know, um, and his, um, what's the, the whole, his periscope, I think yep. the whole, yeah. And I mean, he just like, I love what he does. Like he just pulls stuff apart with like, you know, the auction houses and looking at something that's sold before that was fake. And then it's just been gussied up a little bit and they try to resell it. That's a whole different realm from what we do, though. I mean, we're they're they're talking watches 50, 60, 70 k and up. So, yeah, and I, but you know what? Everybody's better for it, right? Less people will hopefully be trying that out. The auction houses will be a little more scrutinous, and uh, you know the the broader um, audience will be more knowledgeable. Hopefully, 
Yeah. Or at least yeah. more aware. Oh, I agree completely. I mean, you see, like, I mean, we have our we have our Fake Girl Friday account on DCBW, and I, I see that you have a sticker behind sure you. <laughs> hashtag. Um, but I mean, that one is more just to make people aware, like, you know, we're not explaining in depth what makes it that, because honestly, like, I, I just don't have the time. But, you know, there's like um, uh, Seiko Busters is a great one on Instagram. And, and he does, you know, ex explain the differences and what makes it fake versus real. Like, it's great. Like, his early posts especially took apart all of the the um, the vintage Seiko, the popular ones, the 6139s and 8s and all that fun stuff. So that there, there's resources out there um, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the nice part about Seiko sort of running that whole gamut is you're going to get people who follow it from every price point. And so you're going to have that many more people who are into it. And as a result, such a wealth of information. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and thank God for it. I'm glad I'm, I, you know, I've been really like, I already knew what the community was like before I started the business. And I met particularly since, since I moved out to California, I've met so many awesome people out here i mean they God, grand or seiko is so big in southern california i had no idea before i moved out here um it's just like it's great and like so you see them you know whether it's like a, a like a like an automotive type event uh or like at a watch event or something like that and like you know it's it's great there's some great discussions going on so i want to talk about you know obviously seiko is a near and dear to my heart but another brand that you love and that you also carry is Hoyer. Yeah. Right. And I know in recent times, right, they have the tag. They take a little heat for things like maybe the age of their CEO or sort of the the, the breadth of watches that they put, they put out recently. But I think there's still a lot. And because of that, I think there's a lot of sort of sneaky value in vintage mm. Hoyer. I mean, I know personally, I love the, what do they call it? The black coral. Yep. I can't remember the yep. reference number off the oh, top yeah. of my head, but super cool. I think it's a quartz diver. Nine. 980, I think something. 980.026. Yeah, it's super cool. It's all blacked out, but mm -hmm. very contrasting dial, Mercedes hands. Like it just has yep. the look of sort of those, those cool watches like the one we were talking about before the show, um, the one Tom Cruise wears in the new Top Gun, sort of a similar look, that blacked out look, very stealthy, sort yep. of like a lot of Zins do. And I think there's a lot of those watches sort of in the Hoyer back catalog that don't get the love they deserve. Sort of like, I remember you wore a similar one last time. It was a quartz diver in green. Yep, it was there. It was the nine, oh God, I forget the last three. It was like, I believe it was a 981, but it was the full size so that, the 026 we talked about is the, what they call the median size. So yes. during this time, this is the early 80s, right before Tag bought them, you had like a like a, a women's and then you had what's called like a boys and then you had a medium, which is what we're talking about. And then you had like a, a full size and then it's one that was two millimeters bigger called the Jumbo. Yeah. And that was like 41 millimeters, I think. And that was the one I had on. It was it was like it was PVD, but it was like a like a green OD, like military type color. And they're like, they're not easy uh, to find because we have to find them every now and again, but they did it very well then. Um, tag, when you have the transitional years, like through the early 90s, there's some decent stuff in there. Like I just put one up. Um, it's the, the um, 
forget the reference, but it's called the Sea Racer. And it's like this really cool, like, regatta. I, I'm a sucker for regatta watches. And they do a lot of them. Yeah, what's that? They do. Tag does a lot of them. They, they do. They do. Um, and it's it's actually the first thing up. It's a 1990s Tag Heuer 2000 Sea Racer. And it's it's up there, you know, now. But it's got, it's got like, green and red and, like, you know, white dial. And it's, like, a lot of – the funny thing is, is that some early tags are now considered vintage. You know, the 80s. You know, so it's, like, as we get older, <laughs> damn it, so do the watches. <laughs> And it becomes what was not vintage becomes vintage. But no, you're you're 100 correct. And uh, Tag, much like Seiko, will mine their back catalogs, and they'll leave Tag off the dial, uh, which is kind of funny actually. <laughs> uh, so it just says Hoyer, and they'll reissue like the Carrera and the Octavia and things like that. I don't like their modern separate from the reissue personally. Like I think I just saw some article where like. It was like their smartwatch, and it was like an NFT version. And I'm like, oh come on, are we still an NFT? Are we still doing NFTs? Like, <laughs> is that still a thing? The economy, what it is right now, people are like, are people really buying NFTs now? I'm just gonna throw that out there, like no doom and gloom for my part. But like, it just seems like kind of tone deaf. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of awkward. And it just came out in the last week too. But uh, no, um, Hoyer itself is great for that. I think um, the vintage stuff. Hoyer Quartz is really the your entry level. That's going to be your affordable stuff. Um, the PV, the all black PVD, uh, eight nine hundred, depending on condition. And when you when you deal with anything PVD, if the watch is worn as it's meant to be, it will wear. And yeah. sometimes those high contact points, you'll get PVD loss, which is very noticeable, unfortunately, on these. But like, yeah, they just knew how to do that PVD coating. Like I've noticed, like. For instance, on the uh, and we can get into this later, but on the, the the Seiko GMTs that just came out, the Seiko fives, like I really do like those. But uh, not not Seiko, the new Arnie's, the new Arnie releases. Yeah, they do that all black one, and it just I don't like if you're gonna do a watch in all black, do it a matte color because you're there's some military heritage there. Yeah, and you I agree do with a that. Shiny black, it just looks tacky. I mean, that's that's just my opinion, but I'm just I can't can't do that like Seiko reissued what was it the turtle the 6309 turtle when they reissued those there was an all black one that had like orange hands and I really like that except I couldn't get around the fact that the dial was this glossy black or the the uh, case was this glossy black and I was just like I can't I just can't but uh yeah 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 I'm right there with you on that and uh yeah I did see those new Arnie's some of them definitely look cool the, the all steel is oh, yeah. uh, interesting Oh, I love it. Yeah. Some and I the Seiko reissues for the most part, I don't like, but the, the, it actually does look more Arnie than the ones previous. Yeah. Although I'll say, and this is where you get into the, the the weird esoteric stuff, it would be an upside down Arnie, what we call an upside down Arnie. So it would be the H601, which had the analog display at the bottom versus the top, which is what the original Arnie H558 had. Um, in this instance, I think it works. Um, the historic ones, the 601 was a little more inferior to movement wise, but the movement on this new one looks pretty impressive. You know, I love that it was counting like there's some counter in there, like you dive under anytime you go 1.5 meters and below, it starts a dive, um, dive trip, I guess, and it will hold up to 100 trips, like 100 different dives. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, there's it's very much, it's almost like a dive calculator. Yeah, I almost wonder I, how they figured oh, that yeah. out, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it's not necessarily for me. Like I'll stick with my old Arnie, but I'm not a diver either. So, you know, but I, I definitely see the appeal in the, in those new Arnie reissues that just came out. I, I, I like them. Yeah. That's rare for me with those. Yeah. I'm more of a traditionalist myself. Um, I do, I do like some reissues and stuff, but I, again, I'd Seiko offers so much. It's almost like if, if you can't find something, I don't, I don't really know what, what you're doing wrong, you know, but, um, I mean like the, uh, the King, the King Seiko reissues, cause they just came out with two more in the last week, uh, reissues and, you know, people will bemoan the, the, the movement they used in the new one. And I get their point. It's not as, you know, King Seiko back in the day was, was like a big deal. chronometer, very accurate, gave a Swiss and sometimes beating the Swiss, you know, run for their money in these, you know, Swiss observatory chronometer trials. So the you know the, the movement's a bit of a down downer, but like honestly, we didn't have cell phones then either. So if you're really pressed for time, it's it's blasphemy for me to say this. If you're really <laughs> that close, you need a digital watch, a quartz watch, or you need to just look at your phone. But uh, they're beautiful. I mean the, the Zeratsu like finishing and just like whew, those things are gorgeous. But the price tag is atrocious. It's yeah. like over three thousand dollars, I think. That uh, was for the. I think the limited yeah, is over three thousand. Limited edition, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, really, the one that they're copying on—it's mean, a they're they're getting the design cues from the King Seiko four four nine 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 zero, and you can get a really nice one for about a thousand, a very nice one for that. So you're talking like, I don't I don't remember what the run of the mill new King Seikos go for, but seventeen hundred. Yeah, so you're you're getting vintage. You're getting you're going to get that gold emblem on the back. Yep. On the cake pack of the vintage ones, which is just it's dope. Like it's really cool looking. Um, and it's vintage. You know, obviously I'm biased towards that, but I I'm gonna go with vintage on that and it, it's got a better movement. There's it's something good. about the scarcity of there there are not more of these being made that makes it yeah. just a little bit more special. Yep. And a lot of them were were JDM only. So you're really you have that as well. A lot of them were not widely available outside of Japan. So there's that. So what would you say, and we talked a little bit, we talked a little bit about this before the show. Um, what would you say is sort of like hot in the market now with, I guess, the current events and sort of the, uh, the entertainment industry and everything? What's, uh, what's sort of jumping off the page at you? Yeah, this is, I've been noticing this for like the last maybe two or three months. And it's really like uh, military watches. Um, either military heritage, like legit military heritage or Hollywood military heritage. And, you know, with that, obviously, I don't know if this is also like because of, you know, Ukraine is in the headlines all the time, which it should be. Um, so there's that's ever present um, uh, for the for the wrong reasons, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, then you have the sequel of Top Gun coming out. And, you know, as we were talking about before the show, like you have that very handsome. Um, it's the. Uh, the Porsche design Orfina, all black. Yeah. It's a Valju 7750. Wait. No, it's not Valju. It's Lemania, I think. Yeah, it's Lemania 5100 movement in it. Um, but the, at the same time, you had the Hoyer Pasadena and the Lejeure, and they all look pretty much identical, they except the Hoyer and Lejeure had the Valju 7750 movement in it. Great. These are all, these are legendary movements, both of them. And, you know, these came out in the, the late 70s, early 80s, about that, mid 80s, up till then. And in the first Top Gun, um, you know, our, our, our hero, Tom Cruise, wore one and he it reprised its role on his wrist in the sequel. And before that, I mean, this was a long delayed movie, too. Um, the, the, if you just read, if you read like The Hollywood Reporter or anything like that, it's fascinating because Tom Cruise and he has this power. He was like, no, 
we're not releasing to streaming. And you get that. I mean, if you've seen any, if you saw the first gun, if the first Top Gun, let's face it, pretty much all of us have. Yeah. You'd rather see that in a theater than on your computer screen, you know, and so it, it makes sense. But it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And before that movie came out, that, you know, a very nice, we sold a very nice Porsche Zion Orfina with a great bracelet. And the bracelet always saw a lot of wear, PVD coated. Those things are so hard to find in good condition because they're always like, they're worn because people wore them as they were supposed to. We sold one, it was approaching near new old stock, if not new old stock for like 4K, maybe six months ago. There was one that just sold on eBay and it had the more rare 3H military dial and it had box and papers. That thing sold for $12,000. Now, wow. whether or not the person paid, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know. I don't know if the, the person paid or I haven't seen it pop up again. So I'm assuming they did. Um, that's unheard of. Like maybe before the movie came out, maybe five or six K and even that would be stretching and it could be like an outlier, but I've been seeing those, those Porsche design Orfinas go for 30, 40% what they did before that movie. And that's the power of Hollywood uh, with those. So you get those, but you also see like um, we've sold a fair number of the, like Hamilton, there was there was two or three main watch American watch companies, like Hamilton, Ben Russ, and some others that made watches on U.S. Department of Defense spec contracts to the to the U.S. military. Um, and I, I want to say that went up through really with the, when you talk about like the matte bead blasted cases, stainless steel, maybe the late '80s, and then it got in some. Then the, the design changed. You can find there's great pages on Wikipedia if you look this up, but you know, these references, these all legit military heritage, you look at the back, it's stamped DOD, like it has all the military markings you want to see. Um, and those have been selling more than they used to, uh, which is it's fascinating to me. And they, they talk about Seiko, the 7828-7120, which is what um, the UK issued to um, the Royal Air Force. And it also issued a much more harder to find version to uh, their submariners. Um, those are super hard to find. Uh, they're actually different variants, different dial variants. Those have been, and there's on the back, you know, you have the broad arrow for the for the UK military. Um, those are, I'm seeing an uptick in interest in those too. So that, that's what I'm seeing now. Uh, for a while it was a Bruce Lee, which continues to be hot. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, we, we sell those, we sell them out as soon as we get them in. And even eBay, like for the most part, and think about eBay. I mean, you're looking at an audience of and sellers thousands worldwide yeah. very rarely do i see a decent bruce lee on ebay because i'm on there because i'm looking for working for fake friday examples to post <laughs> you know every friday and like for the most part they are just you know the dial has mold all over it it's coming from a humid climate um and it, it's just trashed and really some of them don't even deserve to be called parts watches and they're they're selling for like eight seven eight hundred bucks wow. which is just astonishing to me yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna put the blame for the military uptick on uh, my buddy watches of espionage. So, yeah. <laughs> shout out to him. Great account. I, if you uh, if you've never seen it. Oh no! Oh no! I, I follow him. I've had some good conversations with him. He's a great He's dude. Cool um, dude. He. Uh, it, it's funny because that account grew so damn quick. Like, I mean, look, I'm not saying my account. You know, our account is not anywhere near as interesting as his. I'll be the first to say it. It took when we came out to LA in 2018, 
think there was like a thousand followers on the main page. We're up to about 11 now. So it, it took a while to get that extra 10 K. Thank you, Matt Farrow. Cause he, he helped a lot. With that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great guy, by the way, seriously, but watch this. He's been around for like a year and he's got, he just hit 50 K. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, that's impressive. Um, cause I, I was comparing notes with him the other day. Cause we're, we both, you know, we're trying to get our accounts verified and it is a pain. It is not easy. And like, I don't know who this guy is, but he, you know, we, we've had conversations. We, we like some of the watches. He's always putting uh, Seiko up there. Yeah. He's got that uh, blacked out. Uh, yeah. 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 With the, I can't remember what kind of dial it is. Indian it's, or whatever it is. It's Arabic. It's like, not just, I mean, because all of, you know, the English numbers are technically Arabic. Right. That's where I get confused all the like time. Arabic language. Yes. Legit numerals um, on that dial. And it, cause I own one too. So does Matt Farah actually, believe it or not. So it's, uh, you know, I, we were talking about that and, and he was like, man, I can't, I probably have to, cause you have to like, to get verified, you have to give him like a picture of like your passport or your like license. And he was like, he's going to oh, get man. burned. He's like, I got to do that, don't I? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'm not getting verified. I was like, yeah, that's not, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, he's, he's a good dude. I've had some good conversations with him. Yeah. And I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of. I don't want to say similar accounts, but people who have sort of taken to, I guess, taken inspiration. I've seen a bunch of either yeah. military or like pilot accounts. And part of it's probably due to the the very sort of fighter pilots are very hot right now and everything. But, uh, you know, a lot of cool, just really interesting watch accounts where you're getting cockpit shots of different. And a lot of them are Seikos. A lot of pilots wear Seikos, which is really cool, I thought. They, oh, they do. And I mean, if you... Um... I'm looking up the uh, cause he, uh, he's he's a great dude. I'm looking it up right now. It's called he changed his account recently. It's called Wrist Explorer. Um, uh, let me see if I can. He used to be uh, Surge. Yeah. It's like uh, I forget. I think he's um he's an automobile. I think designer. Memory serves. I think he's in France. Um, I I could be Surge. I apologize if I'm if I'm getting it wrong. But he recently changed his uh. I'm looking it up right now, but he, what he started doing, and I love this, he started like really giving a lot of background on watches that he sees in movies and on TV and trying to you know, decipher, like if it's a known watch, that's one thing, but, you know, kind of like crowdsourcing, like, and I comment on it sometimes too, with my own, you know, two cents, but like, here's this watch, it's in this cool historical situation, be it either a movie or like, it's on the wrist of like Israeli special forces or something like what do you think this watch is? And like, so people are like taking their guesses and doing it's that it's that research aspect that I love. And I love that he does that. And uh, I think he's really hit upon something. He actually, I, when I was talking to him, I think he credited watches of espionage because he was talking to that guy as well. And um, watches of espionage was like, you, you should change, you know, your account name, you know, and, you know, gave him some pointers on how to help his game. And I think I've, I've he definitely has done that. Uh, it's it's a great account. I'm trying to find the exact one. It's gonna drive me crazy. But oh oh the wrist, uh, the wrist horror. So P L O R E R. And yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he 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 found that the Seiko bullhead, the six one three eight oh oh four oh, was worn on Dallas. <laughs> that so far that that kind of soapy show Dallas. Yep. Huh. I, Seiko just doesn't scream uh, Texas to me. No, nah, definitely not. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah, no, he, there it is. No, he's right. Huh. Anyway, so yeah, he's finding cool stuff like that all the time. So give that kind of follow for sure. And mine too, obviously, but definitely. Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs>
And Bro Dinky, naturally. I mean, I hope if you listen to this that you're already following me. And if you're not, I don't know what the hell you're doing. And then I, I will <laughs> I will apologize for boldly stealing some of your memes. But I give you credit. Uh, I, I, I consider you a uh, – not a – not a purveyor. What's the word? A uh, a consumer. A consumer of my content. Yes, yes. I I drink my tea with one pinky up. Obviously, <laughs> uh, no, dude, that one because you took an old meme, which is that like guy screaming in the 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 ear of the girl at a club or something like that the other day. Uh oh no, that was no. I'm sorry, that was horological dictionary. I was gonna say I don't think that was I me. Apologize. That's a faux pas on my part. But uh, yeah, but. No, but yeah, I love the fact that for the most part, when I'm reposting funny memes, they always get more likes than anything I post, and they're never mine. But I'm always giving you credit for it, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, you had the one the other day of the my new uh, pre-owned watch, and it smells like cologne and that's that's what I was saying. Artificial vanilla, dude. First of all, like I need to post these pictures more often, but like some of the watches we get. I don't understand what goes through people's heads when they pack them. Like I've literally got, I've never gotten any in condoms, which I'm surprised. Uh, I've gotten them in like used socks, not new socks, used socks, which is disgusting. Yeah, that's uh, wow. It's rare, but you get this kind of stuff and they're always, a lot of them come from Eastern European countries. No offense. I'm just saying, that's what I'm, up, that's what I'm observing. Um, but like you'll get that and then they'll smell that old man smell, you know, the Dracor Noir, you know, <laughs> like something like that in sweats and DNA. And I'm just like, oh, this is going in the hydrosonic cleaner right now. This is disgusting. And that that takes rid of, the, you know, people are commenting on your post about how to get rid of the smell. <laughs> it I became a, a very informative <laughs> thread, actually. <laughs> it did. It did. I was going through the other day. I was like, damn, there's a lot of people coming on this. And like, they're like, like this is leather care tips and this is how, you know, et cetera. And I was like, oh, I'm actually learning something. This is great. But like that hydrosonic cleaner, man, you just throw it in there and you can get them for like a hundred bucks on Amazon for the entry level ones. Take that smell right out. And clean stainless steel, put it in there for an hour. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just not don't everyone. Put the, don't put the watch head in there. Well, yeah. Or if you do, make sure you take the movement out first. That's, <laughs> that's the smart thing to do. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask is I've been trying to figure it out. What do you got on your wrist there? So I used to be a bit of an Arabist uh, when I worked for the government. So I lived in the Middle East for a few years um, studying Arabic. This was during college and right after college. Um, I was actually, true story, I was actually in the Middle East during 9-11. Oh, wow. Really interesting to me. And I came back to the United States that was understandably dramatically changed because I didn't come back to the U.S. till January of 2002. And it was, I was like, this is crazy. It was like reverse culture shock. Not necessarily in a bad way. It was just like, wow, this is, I was not prepared for that. Um, but uh, yeah, so no, I, I I did a lot of that. And, um, you know, it helped me get a job with the government. And it, it, it did. And then, of course, I never used Arabic again, which is <laughs> a irony. It is a hard-ass language. Um, I, I still have some of it every now and again. Like, you know, I think the last time I went to the Middle East, I went with my wife. It's been almost a decade. But I got, I, I actually was able to get around the streets relatively easy. I was surprised by that. It comes back quick. But it, on my wrist, I have um, an Arabic. Um, it says, uh, the truth will piss you off. Or the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Which is, uh, yeah, it's actually, I got it from uh, uh, Pharrell uh, in his uh, Lemonade uh, video that he does with Rihanna. And it's like, yeah, right, okay. 
and I, I'd already heard of the phrase before then, but I was it really stuck with me uh, because, like, uh, in my former career, I was a bit of a rabble rouser. This goes back to that destructive when I get bored type things. And uh, I, I never hesitated to speak truth to power. And that did not people didn't always like that. So that's why, like, you know, people would call me. They're like, oh, it's the storm cloud again. Watch out, you know, because of that. So I, I kind of put that in there to like commemorate that. And then the other stuff are previous dogs that I own. I'm a, I'm a, I, like, I've always had a dog my entire life. Yeah, me too. Um, the, the, the name here is actually, it's, it's uh, Zayim, which in Arabic means wolf. And I adopted a dog that I found in the streets of Cairo. And he was like, shit, when I found him, he was maybe 10 pounds, skin and bones, four months old. Uh, you could see all the bones and everything. Street dog in the purest sense. It was a, a half German shepherd, half something else. Uh, in the Middle East, a lot of times they use uh, German shepherds for security dogs. Uh, and they, they treat them. They don't tend to treat them very well, unfortunately. Um, he's just dogs are just they're not they're not very popular in the Middle East. But um, <clears throat> so I adopted him and I kept him. He, he was 13 when he passed. He passed a few years ago. He was he was uh, he died of cancer. Uh, but 13 years for German Shepherd, that's a pretty long time to yeah. live. So, so that's like, you know, I got his name tattooed on my arm. That's how I remember him. So I have another German Shepherd now. He's passed out of my feet. I saw him walking around before. <laughs> he's much bigger because he's not. The other German Shepherd was uh, was a mixed breed, but mostly German Shepherd in appearance. This one's pure German Shepherd. Uh, he was <laughs> he's a pandemic pickup uh, like many. But uh, he's like like almost 100 pounds of just German Shepherd and like. Dude, he anytime the mailman comes, he tries to jump through the window to get to him. He's an amazing uh, security dog. Like he, and I didn't, even, I didn't get him for this. I just love German shepherds, and like, yeah. he's so protective. The other German shepherd was not like this, and it's just like, all right, let's take it down. You're up here at a level twelve. I need you at like a seven. But uh, yeah, now I love, I love my German shepherds though. So that's my long-winded explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I think what everybody's probably curious about is uh, what watch did you wear tonight? Sure. This so this is um, this actually is a dive watch uh, from the, I'd say the seventies. It's a, one of those, you know, you had like Seiko. Ironically, when they came out with their Astron, their first quartz watch destroyed yep. wide swaths of the watch industry, particularly American, but also Swiss. It more or less destroyed single-handedly American watchmaking uh, because we just couldn't keep up with the price-wise, and American watchmaking was protected by tariffs and like disorganized, and it was just it was terrible. I don't, I have to do more research in this company. The company's name is Renis. So it's R-E-N-I-S and it's what's called a super compressor. So it has like the dual crowns. One is for the inner tachymeter and it's got like the hatching on the crown. So it's very evocative of seventies era, like dive watches. Yeah. Um, and I have it on a, a beads of rice bracelet. You know, I, I love those bore bracelets. Like I swear to God, 70% of my watch collection is on a beads of rice bracelet. They're just so comfortable. And uh, I picked this up a few months ago, actually. It was like a spur of the moment purchase. And like, it's been getting a lot of love recently. I The other watch I had up yesterday, like I picked up a Grail and it's the, uh, it's what's called the the Seiko 5719. It's their very first chronograph that debuted in 1964. And this one is it, on the back. It has the Asian games, the 1964 Asian games insignia. This wow. was a great watch for me for a while. And I found a stunning example. It looked like garbage when I picked it up. But, you know, we restored it and it just, man, it looks gorgeous. I put it on the feed two days ago, I think. And I, I, I'm alternating between like three watches today, like all, you know, fanatics in, in our in our world. But yeah. <laughs> what about you? What you got on? That's cool. Um, 
I actually got on. I I wore this to work. I wear I wear this a lot at work. It's uh it's an old seventy five forty eight uh quartz nice. diver Seiko Pepsi. and Pepsi, yep. yeah. I mean, to me, this just makes so much sense. I mean, everybody. I think a lot of people gripe about the movements in the SKX and they're not terribly accurate. But no, no. Is, <laughs> yours is yeah. dead on. Right. So it's spot on. And you know, I think for a watch that I'm going to be this active in. A quartz watch just makes perfect sense. I agree. And it's not going to be my everyday wear. And so for that, I'm going to pick it up. And it's going to be right where I left it. And it's awesome. And this this one is a, is a, a Japanese example. So it has the kanji wheel and everything. So nice. you know, just super cool. And I actually, it, it came with the original strap. This is a, this one, isn't it? This is the recreation from Uncle Seiko. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love but, this stuff, man. Yeah, we put it on a lot of our stuff for a reason. Like, he, it's so, he does such faithful renditions. Yep. Of these things, but you know who else really liked the seven four five eight or seven five four eight rather? You know who else agreed? Norman Ah, Storm and Norman. So, and it's this again. This is a, something that I left up. I was like trying to find it right now. So he, <laughs> I love him for this, but I get you know, I somewhat understand why he was doing this. But like, instead of getting a GMT, he wore a wrist on I on he wore a watch on each wrist. Yep. So he had one set for time in Iraq. And he had one set for DC. I don't remember which was which. I believe the other one was a Datejust. I think it was a Rolex Datejust. I think you're right about that. I can't remember off the top of my head. I know for sure one was a 7548. I believe it was a Pepsi, too. And there's, there's, I have a couple pictures up on the website uh, somewhere because uh, we sold one a while and it's been out of stock. But I leave the pictures up because they're cool. And it shows he's at a press conference and he has his, you know, his hands, you know, his arms on the table and he's looking real stern giving the briefing and yeah sure enough watch on both hands on both wrists so <laughs> there's again military heritage man yep. it's, it's all over the place uh you know it's well, always you, a great time to have what's up you had mentioned the uh the the seiko 5 gmt because I, I looked into those yeah i mean it's you know it's an, an interesting value prop i mean how many gmts are you going to get in that price range to begin with None. and then on top of that you're going to get a Seiko product. They put it on a Jubilee, which interesting move there because a lot of their stuff recently has been Oyster. Yep. And they give you some interesting colorways. I mean, they, they give you an orange with sort of a a gilt look to it. They gave you a blue with sort of the Batman and then a black with which has like almost like a smoke gray on the yep. bezel. And so you get kind of the, the gamut of what you want. You, you can go bright colors. You can go subdued. So then you get that 24 hour you know, bezel insert on yes, it too. Yes, which most people used to just throw on there anyway. <laughs> I know, right? That, that Well, this is also the thing. Like, you see this, you know, to, pu to pull from automotive. You see Dodge does a lot of this stuff with their, their Challenger and their, um, you know, their other cars like that where they listen to the, the obsessive fans. Yes. And they incorporate them. And, and they they incorporate those in the later in later models. And that's been very popular. And Seiko, I think, does that too, too. A limited extent. I mean, obviously, there's been no real faithful rendition reissue of the Pogue, but yep. you know, with this, you have you know that that bright red GMT hand. I was just looking, at it, I was like, "Ooh, I kind of like this." You know, yeah. and I, I I don't like the S, that stylized S they yeah, have, yeah. or five, or I don't know what it is. It looks like the Superman S. I think it's hideous. Other than that, I really like this. You know, and and I could for five hundred. I think MSRP is like five hundred bucks. So you know, you get gray market. Maybe four hundred, you know, Droma Shop will pick it up and sell yep. it for that. And like, I could see it, you know, if you want a beater watch for that, it's it's 
certainly cheaper than an SKX will be right now to get new near, near new old stock. SKX is going to sell for more than this. So, right. Yeah. And I hear, I hear a lot of people I, griping nowadays about bringing their expensive watches traveling. They're a little concerned. I mean, hey, great, great travel watch for the money, right? <laughs> although I will say, I'm looking at it now, the Cyclops is a little bit, I don't think I like that too much. But like, I'm one of those guys, I don't like the uh, the date window like on the 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 uh the 6105 8000 willard reissue yeah it, it's like an awkward placement of the date on there like it's just like they're trying to make it not noticeable but then why even have it yeah it's like make a simpler dial it's supposed to be military heritage you don't need the date you know what i mean so i it is what it is but i if i got this this gmt i'd probably replace the crystal and take that cyclops right off there i'd be but. curious i know some people have said you could uh I, I don't know if this would apply to this crystal but sometimes you can razor blade it off oh yeah that's right i've heard that no that's true so maybe uh, you could just and if you damage it right new crystal no big <laughs> you know you go like like spencer klein makes some really excellent crystals i don't know if he makes it for this but he makes really excellent faithful renditions of vintage watch vintage seiko crystals maybe he has one for this you know yeah you know so yeah yeah Definitely. But uh yeah, all good things coming out of the the Seiko um catalog these days. <laughs> yeah, no, it, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, we look at economic indicators like if there's a slowdown and like watch companies bringing this stuff out, is there a retrenchment? Like, I don't know, maybe we'll see. I mean, obviously there's some stuff that has to take time in the pipeline. You know, things just don't get born, you know, sure. it takes time in R and D and how they want to reissue it, but like I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now we really start seeing a lot more reissues because it's, I feel like it's just easier to mine your back catalog than to come out with a radical redesign. And maybe we're seeing that now. I don't know. Yeah, maybe with that new that new Slim Willard, they're going to uh, see sort of a tidal wave coming. It's cheaper than a, than a uh, vintage Willard. It sure is. Which is it's markedly different from the reissue of the of the you know the 6105 8010 or right. 8110 which was like crazy expensive i think it was how much was it i feel like it was i want to say it was at least four grand at least two, and that's you know that's like legit new old stock or very very good near new old stock vintage captain willard for that price point so yeah yeah and then they just they just dropped sort of a it's not an exact Willard, but people call it the Slim Willard. Yeah, slim case design. Yeah, yeah. The the, the uh, vintage models that that would be the nomenclature I would use. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's. I'm curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely gonna check one of those out because they they say it's one of the the thinnest Seiko divers that they put out in recent history or something. So definitely check one of those out because, you know, uh, it's always interesting to see how those things wear. But. Yeah, I I would like to see one in the steel, as it were. Um, versus just seeing, you know, like uh, press photos, like, yeah, just test it out on the wrist, see how heavy it is. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. I know I pick up so much knowledge and my head spins a little bit when you, when you can rattle these reference numbers off. I mean, I know plenty yeah, of watch reference numbers, <laughs> but like this is encyclopedia level, but it's, it's, that's kind of always the, the fun part of, of having the ability to, to talk over more than Instagram Messenger is to be able to like kind of yeah yeah evoke that from someone you know who who has such a, a a wide range of knowledge in that department and everything. But um, you know, I think that's fun for the listeners too and everything. So 
thanks a million for coming on. I mean, I I guess you're my first repeat guest. I haven't had one yet, but in a way. So it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I think people are definitely going to dig this one like they liked the last one. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's I, I, I bet I'm, I'm glad that you agreed to have me on. Uh, I appreciate that. No, I, I love coming on these. And it's like for me, it, it's it's actually been great, particularly during the pandemic, when the get togethers aren't being held as much to like meet like minded and. I think it, it takes some pressure off my wife. To, so I'm not always talking to her about it. And she's like, shut up. But, you know, <laughs> understandably so. But no, I mean, this is this is great, man. We got to do this again for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, definitely as, as more. Hopefully we'll see more of those reissues and we can uh, we'll definitely chat about them. There you go. There you go. All right, then. Uh, I guess signing off for episode 35. Bro, out. Out.